Thanks very much, uh, Rodrigo, for, for coming on to the show this afternoon. Uh, and listeners will remember Rodrigo as an old friend of Rights, Rorts and Rants. Um, and he's an independent journalist and researcher who specializes in Latin American politics. Rodrigo also hosts the uh, Al Borado's uh, Indestructible podcast, as well as publishing a monthly newsletter, amongst many other sort of activities that he's involved in. Um, so welcome, Rodrigo. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Look, in today's interview, we want to focus uh, on the recent uh, election results in, in Brazil, which saw the Brazilian Workers' Party, led by their charismatic leader, Lula, uh, and, and just to, to, to get your impressions on the impact, not only in, in Brazil and Latin America, but internationally, uh, and what the hopes are of the Brazilian people uh, in relation to their decision to re-elect Lula. Well, they, they decided to re-elect uh, Lula by um, only uh, 1%, 51% um, uh, of the of the vote. Um, the, that was actually surprising given how terrible the effects of the coronavirus and the management of the coronavirus by the Bolsonaro administration was in Brazil. Um, having said that, Lula did win the elections. There is a, a, a portion of the population that do support the Workers' Party. They can see that uh, despite um, some of the errors that occurred uh, originally under, under Lula's first government and then under Dilma, the majority of working class uh, Brazilians uh, were better off under his administration, under their administration. So they decided to to, to back the PT again and, and bring uh, Lula uh, into office. Now, the, the disaster of the Bolsonaro uh, administration is, is, a, is a very long list. I mean, he's known as yeah. sort of the South American Donald Trump yeah. and uh, certainly more uh, even further to the right and with links to the military yeah. uh, a fan of the military dictatorship in the late in the, from the mid sixties uh, onwards in yes. Brazil, and uh, the opening up, for example, of the Amazon to the logging yeah. industry has been absolutely uh, disastrous. Yes, uh, programs like the uh, the the food program that uh, was established under the Lula administration for lower income Brazilians to have a sort of a, a monthly uh, food basket provided by the state that was scrapped. Uh, thousands of Cuban doctors were expelled from the country. The uh, agreements between the Brazilian government and the Cuban government came to an end. And, and the list just goes on and on. Uh, yeah. Far too long to, to mention here. But uh, yes, uh, uh, quite a, a disastrous uh, administration from my point of view. I mean, you're right. I mean, and I think for the listeners, I don't know whether I wasn't aware that the population of Brazil is something like 213 million. Uh, and and come, as you've mentioned, they're facing a very complex future, um, you know, with so growing social inequality, uh, low economic performance. And, you know, as you mentioned, uh, the environmental challenges uh, with that 1% uh, majority, uh, and uh, the connections, as you mentioned, with uh, 
going back to the uh, US-backed military dictatorship between 1964 and 1985. I mean, what chances do you think do you think that Lula and the Workers' Party and those progressive forces in Brazil uh, stand against such a, a complex uh, array of uh, challenges? I think Bolsonaro has been creating a climate of, of fear for quite a long time now. Um, just in the event that were the Workers' Party to become further radicalised or carry out certain nationalisations that they, the, the, the far right, um, perceive that they might carry out, um, but if you actually look at the, the the evidence, the evidence indicates that the uh, both administrations, Lula and Dilma, were happy to work with the Brazilian business community. Um, in fact, invested state funds into uh, growing the Brazilian business uh, 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 companies yes. throughout Latin America and the world, as long as they went along with the Workers' Party's agenda of creating uh, a society and trying attempting to create a, a more equitable society yeah uh, so that propaganda that was used by bolsonaro has certainly been uh, adopted it has had an impact on, on on a significant part of the population in brazil and one of the or two of the biggest boogeymen of course are, are cuba and venezuela yeah. and they are presented to the public in, in Brazil as this is what we could become. We could become societies where there's a lot of economic uh, turbulence. Mm. Uh, but, of course, there's no, there's no evidence. I mean, there's no – the, 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 the context of those societies is not provided to the, to the Brazilian public. It's not provided, for example, the evidence that, Brazilian, that, that Cuba has been under – over 60 years of harsh U.S. economic sanctions. Right. And the same thing with uh, with Venezuela. The, the United yeah. States, uh, pretty much since uh, Clinton and then in, well, in, certainly into the Bush one administration, um, has been completely determined to overthrow the Chavismo left forces in Venezuela and make their economy scream. So. Yeah. Yes, that's right. I mean, you mentioned the, the those sanctions and uh, the embargoes on those two countries, but I mean, America's got about thirty-two countries where usually they're screwing their economies, and they do have a big effect. And and that is a very different. Uh, that is a very difficult uh, kind of images to push back on, isn't it? Really, uh, and that brings us to the, the press. I mean. What is the state of the press in, in in Brazil at the moment? Is it is it similar to ours, where it's 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 monopolized by vested interests? Completely, completely monopolized by 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 vested interests, and the 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 rhetoric uh, coming from far right commentators is, um, I mean, there's almost no no comparison to what the commentators can get away with in in Latin America, uh, in contrast to. Here in Australia, I often give the example of Alan Jones when he said that he would like to take Julia Gillard, Prime Minister Julia Gillard at the time, and put her in a chaff bag and, and take her out to the sea and dump her. Um, horrible comments, absolutely inappropriate. Um, but that's sort of stock standard in uh, for the Latin American right. Uh, they yeah. will open 
or for the overthrow, for the violent overthrow of uh, leftist or centre-left or progressive leaders in Latin America. And uh, it almost sends their supporters, their viewers into, into a, a frenzy. There is a, a network in uh, Venezuela called Global Vision, and the nickname uh, amongst uh, progressives and chavistas and anyone, I think, who has some level of critical analysis, they call it Globo Terror, Global Terror, because you turn on that network and Venezuela is falling apart. That's the image that they want to present to the yes. to, to the re, to the viewers inside of Venezuela. Everything is wrong. The government does absolutely nothing right and it's just imminent mm -hmm. uh, until the president resigns or there's a US invasion or there's a coup d'etat or etc etc etc. And that that's a similar uh, media landscape in, in in Brazil. So I'm personally surprised that after a few days, I think after two days Bolsonaro broke his silence and uh, said that uh, Brazilians needed to uh, accept the result and the protests in his favour needed to to, to cease. Mm -hmm. um, so there appears to be, it could be wrong, uh, but for now there appears to be some backtracking on, on his part because for months he was saying the Electoral Commission in Brazil was not to be trusted, the elections were going to be rigged. Mm -hmm. If he lost by a small margin, which is the case, then certainly the elections were rigged and that's when the military will need to step in and uh, and, and a coup will need to take yeah. place. I mean, this is, he's saying this, he was saying stuff openly. Yeah. Um, what I suspect is that the, there may have not been enough support within the armed forces for him to carry out a coup. Um, Chomsky, who was recently in Brazil, uh, said publicly that the uh, police forces throughout Brazil were very much in favour of Bolsonaro and very mm -hmm. much in favour of carrying out a, a coup d'etat, but the military itself was split. So I, I, I suspect, I could be completely wrong, but from my reading of the situation, I am very surprised that there has now been a backtracking of his rhetoric. Um, and I, I suspect, again, I could be wrong, mm -hmm. but I suspect that uh, he just has not been able to gather enough support within the armed forces. It's interesting you mentioned that because one of the one of the leading sort of uh, uh, international uh, people to congratulate Lula on his success was Biden, wasn't it? And that came as a bit of a surprise. So maybe your analysis is is right that the the message so far is. Uh, you know, just to see what happens sort of, you know, from the American point of view. But the other thing, uh, Rodrigo, is uh, in relation to the, the Senate, is it is it like our House of Representatives? Yes. Has, has Lula got, has, has he got the numbers there or has he, has he been elected as the leader but doesn't have the numbers in, in the Senate? The Senate is still those those uh, votes are still coming in, so I'm not right. I'm not clear on those numbers uh, exactly. Um, but yes, there is a situation where the Senate in Brazil does hold a lot of power, and that's how Dilma, uh, the former uh, Workers' Party president, was in fact impeached uh, along uh, dubious lines. Uh, yes. My, but yes, they did achieve a, an impeachment. I just wanted to briefly come back to a point that you made about the recognition of the. Yes. And I thought actually that was also interesting. I noticed that Albanese here in Australia was quick to also uh, congratulate uh, Lula. Uh, so I again suspect uh, that 
there there was not because perhaps there was not enough support for a coup d'etat inside the country then um the united states uh, decided to um recognize the the electoral victory and it has to be remembered that whenever there is a, a coup d'etat inside latin america historically the people that are organizing it they are in uh, have been in constant contact with the us embassy yeah. so if they don't get the green light um yeah then they usually will not carry out a coup d'etat. They, they, they know they're going to run into problems. Yeah. So they have to get several green lights, and the green yeah. light from Washington is one of the most important ones. Yeah. So, Rodrigo, it seems like this is a, this is a very interesting situation, and it, it's going to require all the skills that uh, Lula's uh, accumulated through his wonderful life, uh, keeping it together in a way that's going to... Uh, yeah, keep, keep maintain his position uh, and also consolidate his power amongst the people. Oh, certainly, certainly, and and Lula's the and Lula's a very capable politician. I mean, if there's one person that is capable of pulling it off, it's it's exactly Lula, and that's why he was imprisoned uh, a, a few a few years ago, and then the a further judicial investigation revealed that there were dubious charges the whole trial was a sham etc yeah. etc yeah. uh, i mean he was removed from the uh last presidential race precisely because the polls indicated that he would win yeah. and uh that's 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 uh the the the, the far right in brazil and, and and sections of the business community absolutely despise him precisely because he is a very skilled negotiator yeah yeah. Just to move on quickly, uh, just in relation to uh, the situation uh, with the uh, Chilean government, the, the newly elected uh, Chilean government and their their uh, proposed uh, new constitution, which was uh, put to the people in a referendum recently. And, um, you, you know, that, that that constitution, I believe, was was to was to supersede one that the, the constitution, the current constitution, which was drawn up by the fascist uh, Pinochet regime in the 1970s. You could, so you can imagine what that, what sort of state that uh, uh, piece of legislation was. Can you give us a just a, a brief um, mm -hmm. understanding of um, what happened in relation to why that uh, cons constitutional change? was uh, was lost I think there were several several factors there but I think one of the most important factors was that the um, mainstream media uh, completely mobilized behind the uh, far right in Chile to block the um, uh, or, to, or to support the vote that would turn down the constitutional um, uh, to support the constitutional changes and uh, to support changes for a new yes. constitution and uh the if you actually look at the the breakdown of the of, of the figures the amount of money that was spent uh by the sector rejecting the new constitution was ast astronomical i mean it's almost uh eight eight to two i mean it was it was just it was it yeah. was a phenomenal, phenomenal amount of money that they spent, and the the scare campaign that took place. So part of their campaign was to say that uh, they they declared that if a new constitution was elected in Chile, 
uh, private property would be effectively abolished under the new constitution. Uh, people who had a, a private uh, private property at their own home, uh, that that those uh, homes would be expropriated by the state, as the state was going to move to establish a vast public housing uh, network uh, program. Uh, I mean, uh, rubbish, absolute nonsense. Uh, the Boris administration is certainly in favour of public housing, yeah. uh, but it would never um, expropriate or nationalise uh, small homeowners' no. home in Santiago. Yeah. You know that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous, and uh, the list goes on uh, with the with the with the lies uh, that took place. They almost they also uh, were quicker to to mobilise. Uh, the government has only been in power for a few months. Yeah. They were doing well in the polls, and to their this service, they also failed to to mobilise quickly enough to get their their message uh, across. Yeah. So I, I think, again, it comes back to this issue of who owns and controls the mass media networks throughout the region and, in fact, most parts of the world. Yep. If you own the mainstream media, mm. uh, Mr Murdoch here in Australia, yep. um, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you're almost guaranteed uh, electoral victories. Yep. It doesn't mean you win every single one, but you are guaranteed by far more electoral wins than losses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to go back on the, the, the some of the proposed constitutional changes, uh, the championing of First Nation rights, housing, as you've mentioned, uh, public health rights, uh, you know, decentralisation of power sharing with the emphasis on the development of a more egalitarian society, a, a more society that fits into the 21st century envisioned for, as we go forward in terms of uh, recognition of the importance of incorporating uh, uh, ecological understanding and the rights of, you know, uh, of of the country, as it's mm. in a sense. Mm. And I thought almost that, that what excited me about it, Rodrigo, was that, you know, we should be in Australia be, be considering <clears> such a a constitution for the 21st century for for Australia as well, you know, in terms of this, this discussion that's going on in relation to a voice of First Nation people here. Have you got any ideas? Does that fit in with your thinking as well? Yeah, yes, of course. I mean, yes, of course. I'm, I'm always in favour of constitutions being um, you know, updated or, or scrapped completely and, and, and creating new constitutions. If they are going to empower citizens... Yeah. And if they are going to place a significant amount of responsibility on the state for providing certain services which are best managed and owned and run by the state, then certainly I will always yeah. be in favour of, of, of those constitutions. Um, and certainly the case of the proposed constitution in Chile was probably one of the most progressive constitutions uh, ever ever uh, put together yeah. proposed constitutions ever put together. Um, also, there was a, several uh, clauses there regarding the uh, ownership and the uh, use of the country's natural resources. Yes. and that's a big issue because Chile is a major copper and lithium exporter, yeah. and yeah. historically those sectors have been controlled by foreign multinationals, specifically U.S. corporations, yeah. and of course. Uh, you know, if you know a little bit of your Chilean history, U.S. corporations were not too happy and, in fact, participated in the uh, overthrow of the Allende government back in 1973. Yeah.
Yeah, that's that's true. And just moving on quickly, uh, you know, on your last uh, <coughs> interview uh, with the uh, rights, rorts and rants, you mentioned you were producing a documentary about the effects of US imperialist uh, embargo on Venezuela. And um, how was that coming along, that documentary? Can you give the listeners an update? Yes, yeah, certainly. So we're now we've basically put together about 40 minutes, uh, 30, 40 minutes of the of the documentary, uh, almost in its sort of final edits. And by, I would say, the end of uh, early, early, mid, mid December or maybe into the beginning of January next year, we will we hope to completely finalize the documentary right. uh, and ho hopefully have that out for distribution early uh, next year. I interviewed the ambassador of Venezuela here in uh, Australia, in, in Canberra, uh, during the weekend. Uh, the interview went very well. So we've pretty much finalised all the interviews and even edited the interviews. It's just now a matter of putting the whole thing together. Yeah, uh, I want to keep the documentary uh, at a length where it's about an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes. We don't want to do a, an extensively long documentary. No. Uh, we, we're going to try and tell the story within an hour or just over the hour. Well, remember that, uh, you know, the BMUC, the Blue Mountains Union community are very interested and have been following this project for a while. And we would certainly welcome a sort of a, a preview or whatever that we could, uh, you know, partake in in, uh, in the new year, maybe. Yes, that would be great. That would be amazing. So, yes, you will definitely like many people that have supported the project. We will let you know and uh, we will be reaching out to you and, and hopefully be able to screen the documentary in your part of the world. Uh, thank you. Uh, well, Rodrigo, I, I just thank you very much for your time. Uh, I know you, you're very busy with many, many projects and, you know, your energy is uh, very uh, spread everywhere. And it's it's great to speak to you again. And we hope to, to follow up on some of the issues, especially the developments in uh, Brazil and, and Chile. Uh, but also in Latin America more generally, we, we've got our, you know, listeners are very interested in in this dynamic part of the world. And um, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Peter. Really you appreciate it. You too. Take care. Thank you. Good afternoon. See you.